0: 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 11 through 13. Now, what I'm going to read is from the message paraphrase, so it may not sound, it's not going to read the same in your copy, but you can follow along here on the screen. And it says this, this is the Apostle Paul uh, writing. Uh, He wrote this letter to the church uh, in Corinth, and he wrote several letters to them. This letter, all his previous letters had much more of a pastoral kind of tone uh, towards it. This one, he's coming with a more personal tone, more fatherly tone, because there's a lot of things that have crept uh, into uh, the church in Corinth and uh, uh, a lot of deception, false teaching, and they're actually uh, blaming Paul for some of the things that they're experiencing. He's like, yo, this is not on me because I taught you better uh, than this. And so he's trying to pull them up out of the way that they're living life. And here's what he says. He says, dear, dear Corinthians, I can't tell you how much I long for you to enter this wide open spacious life. And here's what he's saying. He's like, "Listen." We didn't fence you in. The smallness you feel comes from within you. Your lives aren't small, but you're living them in a small way. I'm speaking as plainly as I can and with great affection. Open up your lives. Live openly and expansively. Would you pray with me today? Father, we're grateful and thankful for this moment, for this time and space that we share together. Lord, we are here a reason. We're not here because we saw something on social media. We're not here because somebody invited us. We're not here because we stumbled across this church. Yes, those things may have happened, but those were just tools. God, we're here because you set it in motion for us to be here, which means that there is purpose. There's reason behind us being here today. So, Father, because of that, help us to, to focus, to be uh, attentive to what your spirit is doing today. Give us eyes to see what you're showing us. Give us ears to hear what it is that you're speaking to us. Lord, we say this, speak, Lord, because we're your servants and we're listening. In Jesus' name, everybody said? Amen. Come on, come on, everybody said? Amen. amen, amen. You may be seated. Family, I once heard uh, T.D. Jake's mentioned how he he asked his family this question. This question that he asked was, how do you see me? Because I can see you, but I can't see me. And what he was getting at behind that question was, there's a lens to life that we all see our life through, right? And that lens in which we view life can affect the way We see life, and depending on how we see our life can oftentimes determine the type of life that we live. So when he says, how do you see me? Because we all have a perspective of how we see our lives, but that may not be the perspective that others see. And oftentimes, most of the time, it's not the perspective of what God sees. And there's a lot of reasons for this. Of what there's, there's two main reasons that affect the lens in which we view life through. One of the reasons may be situations that we got ourselves in, like you know, you know, like you should not have shown up to the club that night. You should have not have sent that text. You should have not responded to that text. Right? It could be whatever it is. Situations that. We were in control in a moment, but we got ourselves in. And because of what happened, it has now affected the way we view our lives. For some of us in the room, it's not about moments or situations that we have placed ourselves in, but it has been situations out of our control, things that were said to us, things that happened to us, whether at an older age, or at a younger age. And because of that, it has impacted and affected the way we view life. No matter where we are, on either ends of those spectrums, all of us in here, we are somewhere along that line. But here's where I want you to go with me today. I want you to go with me here. I want you for a moment to just imagine if you could kind of pan out from the perspective of life that you have. Almost like you have this out-of-body experience where you see your life from the perspective that everybody else sees your life. Here's my question. What kind of life would you see? What do you think you would be looking at? What perspective would you have? Would you see a life of wins? Would you see a life of of losses? Or would you see a life of perhaps opportunity? Or instead of life of losses, would there be a life of lessons? I know for many of us in this room, this is perhaps one perspective we'll see. We'll see a life that's stuck, a life that's stagnant, a life that is not in motion. Why? Because we ask this question like, hey, help me, I'm stuck. But a lot of us, we feel right there, we feel stagnant. We feel boxed in or, or dare I say, even fenced in because of the way we see life, our life, because we are living life absent a vision. And today, I want to help us all get out of the fence and begin living the life that God has called us to live. So ultimately, we can become the person that God has called us to become. And one of the reasons, family, that we're living fenced in, I believe, is related to exactly that, what we see. It's related to the lens of life, that we're, the, the, the lens in which we're viewing life through. And what I've learned from my own life and having a chance to sit across the table from many is that there is a difference in what we see and what God sees. That there's a difference in how we view our lives and how God Views our lives are just situations. For instance, when we see a closed door, God says, no, that's not a closed door. That's actually protection. When we see a loss, God says, no, that's not a loss, but that's a lesson. That's an opportunity. That's a moment to say, I may have fallen. I may have missed it here, but it wasn't an L I gained. It was a lesson I gained. So the next time I step into this moment, I'm prepared. When we see a mountain, God says that's not a mountain, but that's a moment for your faith to rise and increase. And believe me, and as we sang a moment ago, take him at his word. And when we see sickness, God says, no, that's not sickness. That is room being made for a miracle. So here is the question. Do you see what God sees? Because living life through the wrong lens will always cause you To live with the wrong focus. It's like you ever take a picture and you have the wrong type of lens on that camera. That that lens does not fit it to take pictures in a dark room. So when you come and you look at the picture, it's not showing it. You need to get the, the right lens. Do you need a wide angle? Do you need a close end, right? So we have to live life through the correct lens so that we can have the right focus, there's a great story that kind of illustrates exactly what it looks like to live life with the wrong focus found in Numbers chapter 13, which it tells the story of Moses sending out the spies to spy out the land that God had promised him. And so he sends out 12 spies to bring back a report. And he wanted, Moses simply wanted to know what was the land like? How were the people there living in it? If they're strong, if they're weak, he wanted to know what was the soil like? Uh, was it uh, fertile? Was it poor? Are there trees? Like just bring back... A report, if there's some fruit, bring some fruit back too. I mean, you might have been hungry at that point, but just, but just bring back a report. So the, the 12 spies, they go out to do exactly that. They go out to spy the land. They come back with the report, and they're like, yo, this land is amazing. It really is a land flowing with milk and honey. The fruit there are amazing. It's a great land, but too bad we can't stay here. It's like, wait a minute, you just said everything that sounds like we should stay here. But then here's what 10 of the 12 spies go on to say. They say, listen, the people are powerful. The cities are fortified. We seem like grasshoppers in our own eyes, and we look the same way to them. Which is always interesting because if you were afraid of them, then how would you get close enough to say, how do you see me? (laughs) So sometimes what holds us back is that we put things on people about us that they never even said. But this, I, I, I want to go into that, but I can't. I have to go into that another week. But this was the response out of 10 of the 12 spies. And again, I can't tell you about the other two spies, Joshua and Caleb. That's a whole other sermon. Go read Numbers 13 and 14 and, and, and you'll find out the rest uh, in that way. But... They, because of the ten, they did not move forward in progressing into the land promised for them, and actually they wander in the wilderness for 40 years. In other words, because they were viewing life through the wrong lens, which caused them not to have the right focus, they were stuck. And that's how a lot of us family are living. We're living life through the wrong lens, and we don't have the right focus, and because and so because of that, we're stuck. And so here we are, and we're like, yo, I said 10 years ago that when I got to this point, it wouldn't look this way. But here's a question. Why would the 10 spies respond this way? Why would they see a land that's flowing from, from their observation, a land that is flowing with milk and honey, a land that supplies everything they need, but instead they chose to shrink back and choose a life less than It's because, family, they couldn't see the more for their life that was available. Can I tell you that how life is right now, that's not how God intends it to be, that there is more for your life. Now, I'm not talking some prosperity stuff and gospel, all that. No, I'm saying God has more for your life. And I'll say this in terms of prosperity. There's nothing wrong with that. It's been... Uh, diluted and it's been communicated wrong that has made us to become afraid of that but all it means is, is being made whole and nothing broken and nothing missing. So there's nothing wrong with that word, so don't be afraid of the word prosperity but as in everything it's always context and understanding. But here's what Jesus says in John 10.10 10, and this is what the spies, those 10 spies weren't get, were not getting. Jesus says I came so that they can have real and eternal life more and better life than they ever dreamed of. Listen, family, Jesus came for you to live a life now far better than the life you ever dreamed of. But not just, sometimes people hear that and they say, oh, yes, right, when I get to heaven, right? That's it, when I get to heaven. No, not just on that side of eternity, but also on this side as well. And perhaps the reason why the spies retreated was because they didn't understand that, because they could not see with vision. And ultimately, family, when you live life without vision, you live a life less than the life God has for you. Anytime you live life without vision, you're always going to live a life less than, because vision is important. Vision matters. We need to have vision. We need to live with vision. Look what Proverbs 29, 18 says about vision. It says, when there's no vision, the people get out of control. Why? Because vision brings clarity. Vision brings direction. Can you imagine pulling up to an intersection and no one had vision for how an intersection should work? Now, some people still don't understand how an intersection should work. But can you imagine, like, you go when you feel like it, you go when you go like just No, we need, and so in the same way with our lives, we need vision because it gives direction. It gives clarity. It gives purpose to the steps that we're taking. Even if you're living life in a moment that may feel a little bit chaotic, but when you know you're living in vision, you're walking in purpose, it's like, okay, I know this has to be like this, but I'm actually making steps towards progress because I know I'm living in vision. I know I'm living in purpose. And I love what Helen Keller says about vision. She says, the only thing worse than being blind is having sight but no vision. So you can see, but you can't see because you have no vision. And so you have physical, the ability to see physically, but yet spiritually you cannot see because you're living life without vision. And I don't know about you, maybe you experience this personally in your life or maybe just people you know, but you ever see someone who just seems to have a lot of character issues, a lot of character flaws? Well, I don't think that people necessarily just have character issues, I think it's pointing to something else. I think it's pointing to the fact that they're living life absent a vision. Because when you live life absent a vision, it's going to affect your character. So we don't have character issues, but instead we have vision issues. Because if, if your character was on, you would understand, yo, I can't speak like that. I can't act like that. I can't live like that i got to understand the decisions I make. i got to understand the consequences to the choices that that I choose to to how I live my life. And so when someone is living with character issues, it's not simply because they say this is how I want to live. It's because they're living life absent a vision. They can't see the more that's available. They can't see what God has for their life. And, And here's what exactly... Uh, happens when you live without vision. When you lack vision, you lack the ability to see the possibility of what could be. So people say, well, why does it matter how I live? Why does it matter what kind of decisions I make? Why does it matter about my choices? It's because when we don't understand why it matters, it's because we lack the ability to see the possibility of what could be. And that's the reason why so many of us, family, are living stuck. Like we're living stuck, period. Period. No matter if it's good, bad, or indifferent, we're living stuck in the past. And listen, nothing is worse than that person in high school who, like, that was their moment. Like, that was their time. And then 20 years later, it's like, yo, you still in the same spot. Because that was the moment. That was, that was it. It's like, I got it good right now. I ain't leaving this. But we're stuck in the past, because we lack the vision to see what's ahead of them. So it's the person that, that, that you see lack and you say, well, this is how it's, it's going to be. I see lack and that's just what it is. But instead, we can't see ahead to provision. That we don't understand that God is Jehovah Jireh, meaning the Lord who provides. And oftentimes and most of the time, we don't see the provision first, but he calls for the obedience first. And it's the moment we decide to be obedient and walk in his way that we see the provision. Or we don't want to take the steps that it requires for us to move from a place of lack into provision. All we can see is pain. All all we see is what happened to us, what was done to us, what was said to us. or pain we cause ourselves, that's all we see. But we can't see ahead to being healed. We can't see ahead to being made Oh, all we see and all we know is the brokenness that we feel, of the turmoil, of the sleepless nights that we experience. But because we lack vision, family, we can't see restoration. We can't see that the Lord wants to restore us because we lack vision. And as someone right now, you're pushing back and you say, well, I would live with vision if I just knew what I needed first. Well, don't worry about what you need. Just ask God for a vision first. Because vision is not about what you see now, but it's about what you see later. Here's what I'm saying. Vision isn't what you see first, but it's what you see second. Vision isn't what you see first, it's what you see second. Vision is what you see when you close your eyes. So right now, y'all go with me here. Right now my eyes are open. And I see us now, our team, our serve team. Can we, real quick, can we give it up for the serve team right here at the coming church? So our serve team has turned this place around in amazing fashion. I don't even know if you guys realize you've pulled up to a school this morning. <laughs> but that's so serve team is done. But when I look out, I understand that I'm looking at a cafetorium. That I'm looking, I saw a sign that said Horizon Elementary. But see, when I close my eyes, I don't see a cafetorium, but I see an auditorium. I see people in there, I see people worshiping, I see people experiencing breakthrough, I see laughter in the lobby. I see community in the lobby. I see kids getting checked in. I see kids going to their own wing, to their own space. I see families coming together. I see generations. I see the younger. I see the older. And I see them worshiping together. Now, when I open my eyes, I see this cafetorium. But when I close them again, I go back to that scene and I see that. Now, when will I see that? What I see second? When would I see it first? I don't know. But that's what I see. And that's the place that God is calling us to live. It's like, listen, vision isn't what you see first, it's what you see second. It's what you see when you close your eyes. So you may open, have your eyes open, and you may see a marriage that's broken, a marriage that's dysfunctional, a marriage that seems like it's not working. There's only one answer to it, which is leading to divorce. But when I close my eyes, come on, I see a marriage that is submitted to the Lord, that we are reminding ourselves of the covenant that we made before the Lord. We're coming back together. We're walking in unity and humility. And what was now on the brink of divorce is now becoming a marriage of example and influence. Now, when I open them, I may want to throw the pots and pans at you. But when I close them, I want to love you. I want to serve you. Because I'm seeing with vision. Are y'all tracking with me this morning? Now when I open my eyes, I may see a family torn apart. I may see siblings that don't speak to each other. Sons and moms and parents and kids that have no relationship. But when I close them, I see restoration. I see healing. I see a Thanksgiving dinner table set in joy and laughter in the memories of a childhood. Now, when I open them, I see my past, and it's always catching up to me, and it's impacting my future. But when I close my eyes, I realize that Jesus has redeemed my past, that who I was isn't who I am today. And although I may not be who I want to be today, I can thank God that I'm not who I used to be because I'm living with vision. Vision is what you see when you close your eyes. So listen, ma'am, listen, sir, don't you give up because of what you see first. You ask God, you ask the Lord for a vision for your life. Don't you give up on that marriage. And if there are people around you who are not saying the same thing, those are people who no longer need to be around you. Yes, I am going to go to that level. Because what the Lord has put together, may no one tear apart. A great illustration in scripture that we see of this is is in 1 Samuel chapter 16. And it's where the prophet Samuel, the Lord has said, hey, I need you to go anoint the next king of Israel. Because the current king, Saul, uh, he's lost it and the Lord's anointing has been removed from him. And, 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 and the Lord said, Samuel, it's time to get up, quit whining. It's time to go and anoint the next king. So Samuel shows up uh, to Jesse's uh, home. And Jesse has seven, seven boys. And he brings them out to anoint the next king of Israel. And in verse 6, look at what Samuel says. When, when, he, when they arrived, Samuel saw Eliab. And he thought, surely the Lord's anointed stands here before the Lord. But then look what the Lord says in verse 7. But the Lord said to Samuel, do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. So here's what the Lord was reminding Samuel or saying to Samuel. Vision is what you see second. See, you see first the outward appearance. Oh, yeah, I know. That's, that's the person. I know that's the girl. That's the guy. I know that's the one. I know they're the one for this. But the Lord says, no, I see second. I look with vision. I look at the heart. And I don't know about you guys, but I'm so thankful that the Lord sees with vision. That when he looked at me, he didn't just look at me in my mess and in my struggle and said, stay there. But no, he looked at me with vision. He looked at me with purpose. He looked at me what could be. And I don't know if there's five or 10 people in the room who has that same story, that how your life looks right now, that wasn't the trajectory that you were on, but because God looked at you and treated you with vision and he got in the pit and he pulled you up out of the pit and he set you up on a high ground and now you're living the life that you're living now. Because he saw with vision. And while people may have discounted you, while others may not have considered you, while people may have given up on you and wrote you off, said they was praying for you, but instead they was gossiping about you, the Lord was working on your heart and you are where you are today because of him. Is anybody getting that in the room? Are y'all too good, too cute? Has the Lord not done nothing in your life? Has he not turned you around? Has he not changed you? Are there friends that you encounter today that says, I can't believe you're living in that life? Hey, if that's true, can you give God some praise this morning that he didn't give up on you, that he didn't quit on you? Come on, church. We can't get to the place where the Lord has done something in our life and we sit on our blessed assurance. But we need to be constantly reminded of the work of the Lord in our lives because we may still know the old Mike. And we don't need to be the old Mike or the old insert your name. But we need to constantly be reminded of what the Lord has took us from. Amen. And it's just what the Lord does. People said No. David, you ain't nothing but a shepherd boy. The Lord says it's not a shepherd boy, that's a king. Yeah. It's just on his track record. Some people saw an out of control Christian killer named Paul, and the Lord says, no, that's going to be the leader of the Gentiles. Yeah. Some people saw Peter, this cussed Christian that just couldn't get it together, but the Lord <laughs> saw the leader. Some of y'all are like, hold on, <laughs> hold on now. I need that Peter anointing to come on me. <laughs> But the Lord just didn't see Cousin Peter. He saw the leader of the New Testament church because he doesn't go off of what we see first. He goes off what he sees second. We need vision, family. We need vision for every area of our life. Why? So that we can live on purpose and in purpose. But here's what I discovered. As amazing as that sounds, family, not all of us are living there. Some of us are choosing to live right here inside the fence. And so we're living in the fence, and here's purpose. Here's the calling all around us of what God has called us to. But because of many reasons, we're living inside the fence. I didn't test this. I hope I can do that. One of the reasons why we live, we're living in a fence, is because the fence of our past. Because we've, we've, we've been to church before, we heard it before, some in the room can, can quote the Bible from G- Genesis all the way to Revelation, but yet we still find ourselves stuck in this fence because of our past, because we say, well, how... How can God do something with with my life? Like, my past is dirty. My past is messed up. I've done some things, some things that I can't talk about. Some things that if I said, y'all may not see. how, How can God do something with my life? And so because of the story of our past and we're missing the redemption of Jesus, And what he can bring to our lives, we choose to live fenced in. And we're stuck. But here's what we got to understand: Colossians 3:3, it says, For you die, and your life is now hidden with Christ. So what does that mean? What what does that mean when it says, For you die, my life is now hidden in Christ? I'm not trying to make this show and tell, not at playing this. Solomon, would you come help me real quick? Y'all give it up for Solomon as he comes on up. Just stand right here, Solomon. So when we say yes to Jesus, who we are, we die. We die to ourselves, and now we're alive in Christ. That's why we always encourage to be water baptized, because there's a public declaration, which baptism is happening next Sunday. You can sign up by texting Baptism to 94000. But baptism, it shows the old person going down, being buried with Christ, and then raising to new life. Now, what happens with that? Colossians 3.3, is it, can we put it up on the screen? It says, for you died and your life is now hidden in Christ. So what does that mean? So here it is. I'm, I'm in Christ. So now I'm hidden. So is moving. Y'all, y'all, y'all can't even see because my life is now hidden in Christ. So that means you can't let your past hold you down and think that you can't receive the love, the goodness, the grace, and the kindness of the Lord because you think when he looks at you that he's looking at all your struggle. No, when he looks at you, he's seeing his son Jesus, the holy one, the perfect one, the righteous one, the one who knew no sin but became sin so that you and I could become the righteousness righteousness of God. In Christ Jesus. So don't let your past. Thank you, Solomon. Y'all give it up for Solomon. So don't let your past keep you in offense. So some of us, it's our past. For others uh, others of us, it's fear. It's fear of stepping out into what God has called us to step out into. Because we feel like there's no way that I have what it takes to do that. God has put something in your heart. To live out, to walk out, and what he's placed in your heart is an answer. You know, that's why we can never sit down on the gifts and things that God has given us. Because he's given it to you as an answer to something. There is something that someone needs that you have, and the Lord is saying you're an answer to that. Now, I apologize for how your gift has been misused and abused, and especially... Uh, in a church context. So I apologize if you experienced that before. But what you have to do is you have to allow the Lord to heal your heart because it still remains true that he gave you that gift for a reason. And you can monetize it as well, but you can serve with it also. And so the Lord has given us a gift to serve others, and he calls us to things to be a part of blessing other people's lives, but we're afraid to step out because of fear. The fear of the unknown. The fear of what could happen. You know, oftentimes we are afraid of things that are just imagined dangers. They're not even real. Matthew 14, where Jesus is walking on water. And he comes, he shows up to the disciples. And they're tripping and spazzing out. And Peter being Peter, being bold. He's like, well, if it's you, then call us out. And then Jesus says, "He just come. And as Peter's walking on water, he's fixed on Jesus. But then he begins to pay attention to the elements around him. When he sees the wind, when he sees the waves, he takes his eyes off of Jesus and he begins to sink. Now, I don't know if you guys caught it and heard what I just said. And scripture says it as well. That's why I'm saying it. It says when he saw the wind. But how can you see wind? You can't see it. You can only see and experience the effects of it, but you can't see it. So in other words, Peter allowed an imagined danger to sink him. And many of us are just like that. We haven't stepped out because of an imagined danger. Well, what if it don't work? I'm like, well, what if it do work? <laughs> what if they say something? they going to say something if you do or don't anyway. <laughs> right? So we're stuck. But there's a book inside of you. There's a business inside of you. There's an answer inside. There is something that God has placed inside of you, and you can't allow the fear of whatever it is cause you to live stuck. Instead, you have to step out and know this. Even if there's a moment where you sink, go to that text. What does Jesus do? He picks Peter right up, and it says, they climb back into the boat. And here's what I believe happened. It wasn't Jesus carrying Peter back into the boat. I believe he held his hand and says, come on, son. Come on, Peter. Let's walk. And it's the same way with us. Lord says, no, that wasn't an L. It was a lesson. Now, come on, get on up, and let's walk this thing together. Now, some of us, it may not be our past. It may not be our fear. But for some of us, it may be. Other people, <laughs> those mm, that that got me, like, <laughs> it was like, yes, it is. <laughs> I get it. People, people, but listen, God's plan is people, so we got to figure it out. But other people, they keep us fenced in. They keep us in a box. And oftentimes, it's because of their insecurity. You know, if you grew up a certain way and then the Lord has just done something in your life, or you at a point right now where, like, the Lord is working on your heart and there are things that you're trying to let drop off because you realize they don't honor the Lord, and people are like, oh, you're different now. <laughs> Look at y'all, it shouldn't change. Oh, you know, he ain't going away. He got to get up to church in the morning. It's all, you can't, really? Man, I don't know who you are anymore. And whenever time you hear those comments, it's people who are not comfortable with the person that you are becoming. And so because they're not comfortable with who you are becoming, they always try to discredit your journey. Or they just get okay. They get comfortable with the former version of you. But they haven't. They, it's like Apple. You got to go ahead and upgrade your phone. Because that previous version of me is no longer working. It's no longer who I am. But some of us, we don't have that perspective. And so because they say those things, because they treat us in a certain kind of way, we live fenced in. We live stuck. But listen, family, we can't allow the opinion of others to, call, uh, to cause us to stay fenced in, to live a fenced in life. Because here's why. When you stand before the Lord, they're not going to be there with you. And it's not going to be acceptable to him to say, well, I would have, but let me tell you what my family said. Well, I would have, but let me tell you what my friend said. And he's going to be like, I see you. And so while it's tough and while it's difficult, we can't allow the opinions of others to keep us living a fenced-in life. But instead, family, we have to step outside of the fence. David experienced this when he showed up to the scene when everybody was afraid to, to handle Goliath. And he's like, yo, what is going on? He's making these taunts about our God, and about our nation, and no one's going to do anything about it. And then the one, Eliab, his older brother, who the Lord rejected, was like, no, that's not him. He says to David, he's like, what are you doing here? Would you come down here? aren't you supposed to be taking care of some sheep? And that is the same way people would treat us. They want us to be a former version of ourselves. And the reason is, it's because who we are becoming, it points and reminds them of the steps that they didn't take. So instead of championing you and encouraging you, they want to hold you down to the place that you are or where they are because they never had the faith and courage to step out. Family, don't live fenced in. Don't live fist in, no matter if it's your past, if it's fear, or if it's others. And, and Matthew, you come help me land this plane. Because the re- reality is, family, regardless of how we have gotten in the fence, we have to get out of the fence. The fence is not where we have been called to live. And for some of us, because we have been in that fence, it's put us in a place of regret, That we're now looking back and we're wondering, we're questioning decisions that the Lord has called us to make. Maybe you're new to Huntsville. You're new to this area. And you're wondering, should I have really moved the family here? Would we be in this situation if we would have just stayed? Maybe if you didn't step out. Maybe you're saying, if I didn't step out in faith, why did I go to start this business? If If I just would have kept the nine to five, the family would be better off and more secure. Well, maybe if I did things this way, if, if, I, if I made that decision instead of this one, life would look different right now. So we're sitting and we're inside the fence and we're making all these reasons and having all these moments of regret. But family regret is a problem because when we live in regret, we live in the past. And we lack the ability to see the possibility of what could be. And now any idea of living with vision is only polluted because of the stain of regret. It puts us in a place where we can no longer dream again. We can no longer hope again. We can't believe because regret has stopped us right where we're at. And instead we're living a fenced-in life. In fact, some of us Because of regret, because of life's moments, because we're living in offense, it's caused us to live in a way that says, I only believe what I see, which makes no room for vision. It's a person who lacks the ability to even be optimistic about anything. That you live in a way where you anticipate that most things simply will not work out because you say, how can it actually work out? For me, things don't work for me. What I see tells me everything I need to know and this is not going to work for me. We say things like, well, based on my family history, based on how I came up, based on the type of family that I'm from, because of the side of town I live on, things don't work right for people like me. I don't land the job. I don't get the opportunity. So instead of living a John 10, 10 life, Life that's full and overflowing. We're choosing to live a small, fenced-in life. We just kind of take this approach that says, "Well, it is what it is." But listen to me, friends. That's how, not how we're supposed to live. We're not supposed to live a life in regret. We're not supposed to live a life in shame. We're not supposed to live a life that simply says it is what it is and whatever comes to me is just what comes to me. No, we're supposed to live a life with vision. But the only way to live life with vision is to first get a vision. And the only way you can get a vision, family, is when you step outside of the fence. Many of you, you may be familiar with the story of Abram, better known as Abraham. That the Lord makes this promise to him that through you, the nations of the earth will be blessed. And when the Lord made this promise to him and his wife, Sarah, they had no children. They were older in age. And even from the moment of the promise, there was a 25-year experience and gap before the promise was fulfilled. And in that time span, Abram's like, yo, I thought you said we was going to have a kid. So he starts complaining and starts making all these excuses about the situation. And then in Genesis 15, 5, this is what happens. It says this, talking about the Lord, and he brought him outside. And he said, look toward heavens and number the stars if you're able to number them. And then he said to him, so shall your offspring be. So what am I saying, family? A lot of us were giving up and we're living stuck. And we're saying, God, you said it wouldn't be like this. This is what you spoke to me. This is what was said about my life at a young age when I've done this before, I've tried this before, I pray, I believe, I worship, but yet things still look the same around me. We find ourselves in the same spot as Abram did. But maybe today this is a moment and reminder to see yourself in the text in the same way where Abram was and you get outside of the fence with the Lord and says, look up and see what's available. Your life is not fenced in. It's just the way that we're living it. Why? Because Jesus came so that we can have life and have it to the full. Friends, your life isn't fenced in. It's just the way we've been living it. Whether it's the fence of uncertainty, the fence of fear, anxiety, It's time to come outside. It's time to step outside and get a vision for your life. It's time to step outside and get a vision for your marriage. It's time to step outside and get a vision for your future. Because there is no vision inside this fence. Vision is only when we step outside the fence and we see what God sees. And what he shows us and what he ultimately will allow us to live in is far more than we could have ever dreamt of. Look at 1 Corinthians 2.9. It says, but as it is written, what no eye has seen, no ear has heard, nor the heart of man imagined, you can't even imagine it, what God has prepared for those who love him. So hear me. How it is is not how it's always Gonna be. You don't have to live this small, fenced in life when you get outside with God and get a vision for your life. Would you pray with me?